catch up. Glorious. I am Loki. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. Loki is insubordinate. <laughs> this man is chaos. Maybe we need a little chaos on our side. Bye. I know what I am. Good. Bad. Loki! Get over here. Bit of both. He's really arrogant. Streaming this Wednesday, only on Disney+. Plus. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I am Loki, and I am still burdened with glorious purpose. Glorious purpose. Tomorrow. You're here to catch time criminals. Bye. Make time. I don't have to play this game. I'm a god for Loki. If you want to rule the universe, you better help us save it first. What could possibly go wrong? There's like a million things. Loki's back. What did you expect? Cheers. To me. Maybe Loki wants to mix it up. Is that possible? You can change? Hi. This variant is insubordinate, stubborn, unpredictable. I don't Monkey! Get over here. He's doing great. You need the god of mischief. But he's really arrogant. You picked up the Tesseract, breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. Unbelievable. Wherever you go, it's just death, destruction, the literal ends of worlds. I know. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone out there in the live stream land. Welcome to the MCU's Bleeding Edge's newest live stream. Want to welcome everyone to our live stream. Hopefully, uh, several people will join us and watch us talk and deliberate about episode two of Loki. Just a brief, quick introductions. Of course, we have our ever uh, wonderful Jeff Sloboda joining us here, our co-host of on the MCU's Bleeding Edge. Then also we got from Podcast of Champions, Mister Arch himself returning, which it's great to see him and have him back. And then we got a. First time comer, Miss Alexis here. Uh, a few things about Alexis is she's an owner and operator of Honeysuckle Rose Creations mm -hmm. and also is a frequent guest collaborator on Rodlick's Broadcasting. Rodlick. 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 
Radulich and Broadcasting Network, and I'm yeah. about to be eaten by a Labrador. So, <laughs> damn it, Cleo. <laughs> this, is, this is her second appearance, Cyber. Uh, her second appearance uh, on the MCU's Bleeding Edge, of course. Um, first time with me as a host. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, you also are a Comic-Con vendor as well, I heard. Yes, I am. Awesome, awesome. Great to have you on the show. And uh, let's get right into this. So I like to start off very first beginning scene. I want what everyone's take was on this very first scene. We get to see uh, more of the time uh, variants bureau going after the supposed variant of Loki in 1985 in at a it looked like a fair for like a Renaissance fair it looked like. And uh, I was wondering what was everyone's take on. Basically, the one TBA agent being possessed as her eyes started to glow uh, green. What was everyone's take on that? Go ahead, Jeff. What did you think about that? I I don't. I mean, I thought it was cool. I I, I liked I liked uh, like seeing you know the the different powers that Loki has, but I didn't necessarily really care for personally me uh, me personally the um the 80s uh like you know retro music that they played during that scene really didn't do anything for me i don't know if that was from flash dance was that from flash dance no it's just an 80s song oh yeah. is that okay okay yeah well i thought it was okay i mean um it didn't it didn't stand out to me that much really but i enjoyed it it was a good int introduction to the show Okay. How about you, Arch? What did you think about the beginning? I had a lot of fun with it. First of all, uh, so I'm not a huge Rin Fair person. I've been to a couple in my life, but I, I find them fascinating kind of more than anything. I walk around and I'm like, what is everybody doing? But I, I thought it was really cool just to just kind of see that. It really didn't play into the plot at all, but I thought it was just a quirky, fun little 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 beat. And then they went into this like really creepy tent. Uh, no, I thought it was fun. I, I actually didn't know what was going on at first. I, I like that the whole mind possession thing kind of came back at the end. Um, but I, I didn't really know exactly what was happening there. I thought, obviously, there was some sort of control going on. But, you know, were they, like, she's totally putting her mind in there? Or was she just, like, force-powering her to do whatever she wanted somehow? I don't know. But anyway, I, th I thought it was pretty cool. Um, like, the little beatdown. And I was, like, really intrigued about the fact that she stole the door-creating mechanism, you know, the time door-creating mechanism. So I was really curious where that was going from then on. Yeah. How about you, Alexis? What did you think about it? Oh, I am a Ren Fair uh, frequenter. We've got a really great one here in Kansas City. And mostly my thought was, wow, every Ren Fair really does look the exact same, doesn't it? Because I swear, just looking at the signs and everything, I was like, that, is that the Kansas City Ren Fair? It looks just like the Kansas City Ren Fair. No, apparently we all just get the same signs made. <laughs> yeah, I was, feel I was feeling the same way because I, when I first saw it, I'm like, that makes me think of the King Richard's Fair we have uh, up in Massachusetts. Not where I am, but down in Massachusetts, uh, where we go pretty much every year, and uh, it totally made me think of that one. It was like, whoa, like <laughs> that looks so familiar. But yeah, totally. But I thought it was kind of interesting that we had mind possession going on at the very beginning of this episode, which made me think about the ending of Thor: The Dark World. Now, mm. everyone remembers the first time we saw Loki do any kind of mind control was on Odin at the end of Dark World, and we kind of. We don't get much of it in Thor Ragnarok, but we do get reference to it because Thor and Loki go looking for Odin. 
uh, at you know at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok. So I was wondering, what are each of your thoughts on them bringing that that whole mind control back that we only have seen once in one of the Marvel films? Uh, go ahead, Jeff. What did you think about that? Um, I again, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was you know it it it's good that we're getting a chance in this series to really kind of focus on Loki a little bit and his different powers and his different abilities and everything from a comic book standpoint. It's definitely very relatable from a cancer standpoint, um, actually seeing on film some of his abilities and whatnot, because Loki is like a really interesting, um, you know, sorcerer, magician, warlock. Um, and I felt like the, um, I, I, me personally, getting into the, uh, the, the scene where Loki confronts Lady Loki, uh, for the first time, and she's using the different like human puppets and everything. I didn't care for that that much, to be honest with you. I thought it was kind of cool. It was interesting, but it wasn't like uh, I don't know. Um, I like seeing Lady Loki. That's what really like stood out for me. You know, like I liked seeing who the hell was beyond the robe. You know, mm -hmm. um, but I acquiesced. That's basically it. You know, I thought it was okay. Okay. How about you, Arch? Uh, yeah, just. Um... Uh, doubling back on on the opening, I, I had a thought of the on the song that I, I meant to mention. Uh, my first thought on it was, you know, it's it's a female singer and she's singing, uh, "I Need a Hero," right? And I I just kept thinking because we were talking last week about whether or not the TVA was good or not, and I keep thinking maybe what this this female Loki is doing is is actually beneficial in some way. And then, then that song kind of like made me think that more, like just singing about being a hero in this case. So I was, I was just really curious about that. Um, the, uh, I guess the, just going back to, to Loki's powers here versus how we saw, um, I'm going to call her, by the way, I have to do this. I'm going to call her Randy because that's how she announced herself with, with <laughs> so Randy, Randy. Right, I'm going to cut you off, but real quick, I just want to introduce Brett Scott really quick on the show hey brett hey right. what's up guys how you doing man i'm doing well man how are you guys doing it's good to be uh finally be on the show brett nice, is gonna nice. jump on in on the panel and arch i'll go right back to you and we'll just jump brett right in cool cool uh, so yeah yeah uh, so randy that's how i'm referring to her um <laughs> randy uh, randy yeah randy that's what she called herself so i'm calling her that so uh she she displayed that mind control power, which we haven't seen Loki do. But um, I, I, we've got this idea sort of brewing that there's like this evolving power set for Loki. Maybe in fact, there was one scene where he was discussing specifically the difference between possessing somebody versus making like a manipulate you know a, a clone of yourself or something like that, and how those powers are different. They wouldn't he wouldn't do a lot of detail that nobody in the TVA cared about. But it just made me think that his powers are evolving, and maybe this ultimately takes him to some other sort of level. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. How about you, Alexis? What did you think about the mic control being brought back kind of for this episode of Loki? Firstly, anyone else reminded of a uh, old 90s horror movie with Denzel Washington and John Goodman about a killer who could hop from person to person by touching them? Yeah, falling. Thank you, yes, because I the minute I saw him doing that, going from person to person, that was literally what popped in my head. It's like, I haven't thought of this movie in over 10 years, but that is... 
you know, literally all I could think of. I do think it's kind of funny that uh, the song I Need a Hero uh, was trending on Twitter this morning because <laughs> everyone, from, both from this and from its use in the He-Man uh, trailer that we saw not too long ago. But another big thing that's coming up uh, that I noticed was trending on Twitter is there is now speculation that, um, how do I put this? That this is not Lady Loki, that this is Enchantress, or they're going to combine Lady Loki and Enchantress into one character because mm -hmm. of the way they designed this character. Most incarnations of Lady Loki is just literally a female version of Loki with the long black hair and very similar facial structure. So everyone was kind of like, wait, shouldn't Lady Loki look like Tom Hiddleston? And this, this character does not. So now a lot of people are saying, wait, could this actually be Enchantress trying to pull a fast one? Because she does look a lot more like Enchantress. So... You know, that may be the case or just may simply be the uh, producer said they didn't want to cast an actress who looked exactly like Tom Hiddleston. I'm not sure, but it is an interesting thought. Yes, yes. Yeah, I have seen similar articles and uh, blogs and stuff like that about that, uh, especially after I watched the episode. Uh, and uh, that actually that'll be something I'll be talking about further down in the in the stream a little bit about something that is kind of revealing uh, to that aspect. Uh, but to, to keep us going, I mean, so we talked a little bit about now the beginning. And so now we go on now they're back at the time bureau and. Uh, you know, Mobius is talking to the judge gal that we saw in the first episode. I always forget her name. Uh, what's her name again, Jeff? The judge there that was in the first episode. Oh, Ravana Renslayer. Yeah. So she's talking to that scene there where they're talking and he's like, you know, basically explaining that, oh, this Loki is a good idea. I know I'm going off and this and that and stuff. So my thought is, what is everyone's thoughts on that interaction between Mobius and this gal? Do you think there's any, do you think this gal has any underlying uh, agenda that possibly could be playing this out so that Mobius can do what he's doing or, uh, you know, basically do you think there's anything underlying besides what went on in the, in the conversation? So let's start off with you, Jeff. What do you think? Well, I'll, you know what? I'll throw over to Brett first, just, just to get him in, get on the conversation and then I'll come in after Brett. Brett, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, well, first of all, I, I want to say that I thank God that Lady Loki doesn't look exactly like Tom Hiddleston. Because um, I, I really enjoy the fact that she does not look exactly like him. That, that's a that's a great touch. Um, I'd say with the conversation between these two, I think uh, I think it's clear that at least Mobius he's very flirtatious, right? Throughout this entire conversation, it's very much like it's uh, like they've probably been playing this kind of cat and mouse game for a long time. Um, and who knows how long because of the uh, the TVA, how time works there. But it's very flirtatious, um, and it seems like she knows him very well. She's She made comments about um, when, when they were talking about how Loki was this uh, rebel, um, kind of acting, I, I don't know, rebellious and whatnot. She kind of threw it back as if, Owen Wilson was very much the same way at some point. So that's interesting to me. And I think 
I think it's going to come back around eventually that, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've had some conversations with others where we're, we're kind of thinking that Loki will eventually kind of turn Owen Wilson in, in a way. Like they will team up and, and be, it'll be them against the world. So it'll be them against the TVA at some point. Um, I had a guy on my Marvel plus podcast last week who was saying that he thought that Mobius was kind of like agent Smith in the matrix. And, and we saw a little bit of that in this episode where he talked about the jet ski, right? Which I, which was so, that was fantastic. This whole jet ski conversation was so great. Um, but just the fact that he seems to have this love or yearning for real life a little bit. And maybe he's kind of like Pinocchio and he just, he wants to be a real boy or like an agent Smith who, who wants to get out of the matrix. And I think that'll play into him teaming up with Loki at some point. Loki will convince him like, Hey, the TVA, there's something up with them. They're not what you think they are. And that's where I think it's going. Okay. Okay. How about you, Jeff? I'm wondering, well, I mean, just, you know, I, I agree with Brett. I think it, it, it's permissible and everything that Brett was, was talking about, I think is very permissible. I think that at this point, based off of episode two, the series could go in a lot of different directions. Um, it really could. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it, the, the floor is wide open right now. Um, having Loki duck into that uh, portal or whatever that the TVA uses for travel and having the female Loki have access to that is like a game changer. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I've got to watch the episode again because I still did not completely comprehend or understand what happened there at the end when all those different resets were like happened at the same time and they bombed the, you know, the, um, the, the, the timeline or whatever that like, they said at the TVA. I thought that was a little complicated for me. So I kind of need to watch it again, but, um, I don't know that, that I really kind of feel like Mobius is a team guy with the TVA. I don't see him, um, teaming up with Loki personally. I don't see that happening. I feel like, um, I feel like Mobius, just like the Hunter B15 character, uh, who's kind of like the um, the black chick on uh, uh, Night Court, reminds me of her. I forgot her name. Um, but um, Hunter B15 like worships Mobius as like a god. Well, I think Mobius feels the same way about the Timekeepers. And for me, I feel like the um, the like the throwing shade aspect of the TVA is going to be that like, there are no timekeepers. Like there's really nobody there. It's like, they're empty seats. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're gone or whatever. Like they died or like, you know, they're never like, you know, like they, they don't know where they are. And it's kind of like a straw man type situation where people like Ravana Renslayer are like lying and saying that they know what's going on with the timekeepers. When in reality, it's like a, a, a like a headless organization where there is no like leadership necessarily and i feel like that is going to like catapult the tva into a situation where it's going to break them down and they're going to be eroded in internally to where we may not have a tva by the time this series is over and like 
the it might play into the whole multiverse of madness deal with Doctor Strange two and Spider Man three, where the um, all of the different realities and the the branch universes might end up in like a quasi civil war almost. Um, but again, there's so much to say about this episode that I'll keep myself you know I'll cut myself off there. Okay. All right. How about you, Arch? What did you think about Ravana? I, I think I think she's definitely about hiding. that scene. Yeah. Right, I think she. I think she's. So there's one thing that I thought was interesting is that you realize you figured out that uh, Mobius doesn't has never seen the timekeepers. So in in all of his time there, he's never met them, and this is like a big secret. Which is also kind of funny because he's sort of uh, carried on a sticking Loki around, uh, telling him that maybe he can meet the timekeepers, but he's never met them himself. So I thought that was interesting, and the way Ravana like reacted to it, she was like, "Oh yeah, I know what they're doing." It it, it seemed really suspicious like so i i don't know i don't know if they don't exist or if something else a little more nefarious is going on there i have no idea just in regards to what was going on at the end though when when uh you realized that um randy i'm still calling it randy uh when <laughs> that's what she said man when randy had uh been collecting all of these uh reset boxes specifically so that she could go back to this one store where she's been hiding out at and then and then she gets the door the 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 door uh device the door opening device at this one and rigs that up so she could drop them all to various uh, various areas in time that's what it looked like to me it looked like she had picked out various specific areas dropped them all in there and erased certain things that had happened i almost got the sense that maybe she had dropped them in um just prior to other uh timelines being pruned right so she pruned the pruning so all those pruned branches just grew back out again that's what it almost seemed like to me. And and the reason I really thought that is there was a very brief conversation right when uh, Loki and Mobius got to the Ren Fair where Loki asked him, why don't we just come in before she ever got here? And Mobius goes through this explanation of why they shouldn't do that, but maybe that's exactly what she did. So she just, I was thinking maybe she just pruned the pruning and all those branches just came back out, maybe. Mm-hmm. How about you, Alexis? Really quick, if you don't mind me jumping in, quick, uh, Alexis and Cyber. We've got um, David in the comment section. To Arch's point about developing Loki's powers, perhaps his jump through was to learn from Randy since Mobius wouldn't give any info. I think that's pretty interesting. I do. Um, sorry about that, Cyber. Yep. How about you, Alexis? What did you think? Uh Tell me I wasn't the only one who caught that potential reference to Kang the Conqueror in uh, Renslayer and Mobius's conversation. Did anyone else catch that? I did. Yeah. I did not. They was, Renslayer is a character from the comics, and she was actually a romantic interest of Kang the Conqueror, who we know is going to appear uh, in the MCU coming up. He's the confirmed villain for the Ant-Man and Wasp sequel. And when they're talking... Um, Mobius mentions, I don't remember the exact line. I watched it at seven o'clock this morning and hadn't had my caffeine yet. But he says something about, about Loki's like reminds me of that other variant that you worked with. And they don't mention who it is, but there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not we're going to get some more hints about Kang the Conqueror before he shows up in the Ant-Man and Wasp movie. So I caught that. I was like, could they be talking about Kang? Did he work with the TVA? previously or was he yeah. brought in i mean i mean it wouldn't make sense someone like king the conqueror would probably screw up the sacred timeline or something in some of his quests you could see that easily happening 
So no, they did the same thing, Alexis. They brought Kang in just like Loki. Same deal in the comic books. He he he. They brought him in to fix all of the branch timelines that all the different Kangs created, and that's what Kang is known for. Is that there's so many different versions of Kang. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but but yeah, um, Jonathan Majors is is going to be Kang, and I definitely felt like uh, that whole scene where Owen Wilson kept bringing up like her like other source or whatever, like her other yeah. you know like, secretive person. I felt like that was a potential Kang reference right there. Yeah, I gotta say, did you guys see uh, Majors in Lovecraft Country? Anyone else watch that show on HBO? I did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Perfect casting. I loved him in that, and I cannot wait for the MCU to bring him in. He's going to be great. Most definitely. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So after we have that scene, we go in, and Owen Wilson's Mobius and Loki are having their conversation in the hallway, and they're talking about certain things and stuff like that. And, you know, Loki's trying to, you know, kind of just, you know, keeps talking and doing his thing and being his deceivious self. And then we go on, and he actually starts to do some research. And then we end up seeing him, uh, the only files he's able to get, which I think is a hilarious scene where he's like talking to the the concierge gal and she's like he's like can i get this file can i get these files and she keeps saying no no you know and then all of a sudden he's like what can i get and then finally he's given the files on variants and then all of a sudden he starts to look at of course the destruction of asgard so when that popped up we saw that file and everyone started reading i'm sure you know destruction of asgard and stuff like that what were you guys's first thoughts on seeing that and seeing that there are referencing Ragnarok here. Uh, let's start with you. Uh, um, uh, sorry, I forgot your name already. Brett. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this is one of my favorite things about the series is anytime they do callbacks to the films because it makes it feel really like it's a part of it. You know what I mean? It's It really feels like it's, it's part of the MCU when they do that. Um, when, when WandaVision hit episode, I think three, it was where they went to the outside world and we started seeing the aftermath of the, of the, the blip. Um, and then in Falcon, the winter soldier, whenever they referenced things that happened in the films, uh, when, when they showed the, the winter soldier going in and taking out that guy's son, um, in the beginning, anytime they do that and they connect these shows and just remind us that it's all one world. I love when they do that. So when I saw Ragnarok on there, Destruction of Asgard, I thought that was awesome. Um, and and I, I don't. Hopefully, it's not jumping ahead to to say it because it's this is the part that he discovers it right where he's searching and he finds um, where the variant might be hiding. Um, I don't know if you're going to go into that in a minute or not, but I thought that was some of the most clever shit I've seen. Uh, writing wise and forever like who who thinks like that 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 was a genius i don't know that that was so so clever to write that in there and and write it like that like i never would have thought of something like that incredible yeah that was that was great i thought so too i thought that it was a very clever way of kind of molding the two concepts together and kind of like, oh, where can I find this variant? I thought that was really cool. So, Jeff, what are your thoughts on it? Um, well, basically, it's, I mean, I love it because it's its like fan service almost, you know? It was, it was the same thing as 
when we saw episode one and we saw all the flashbacks that the variant Loki saw in terms of what his death in Infinity War, the, the end of Ragnarok and everything and whatnot, the references to like the first Avengers film. It's like for me as a fan, it really um, reinforces my connection to the MCU. Um, you know, like the fact that these these like uh, connections that Kevin Feige and his team and the people that they've, that they've hired to produce the Infinity Saga and then what we've gotten so far in Phase Four, I feel like, um, you know, they they I feel like uh, essentially with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we kind of they were kind of like individual you know, aspects of the MCU as series where they weren't that connected to the whole MCU network where the infinity saga films all kind of connected. I feel like Loki's kind of bringing us back to that like place in the MCU again, that's a sweet spot for us fans where they're connecting all the properties in a way. And we know that we're going to get Loki and Thor four in some type of role. And we know that we're going to get, you know, we're, we're this, this series is going to affect, the um the multiverse of madness um so i feel like the um the overall impact of um of like this episode and the series itself on the whole mcu is as i feel like is what's important to me is like you know the fact that again wandavision and falcon and the winter soldier felt kind of like very singular like on, on their own in their own kind of like place almost in like real world, you know. Good, yeah, very much so, very much so. What are your thoughts uh, on this, uh, Arch? Uh, you know, I don't know if I have a lot to add here. I think you guys have summed it up pretty nicely. I, I, I love that it was the the library scene. Um, I, first of all, I love Loki going back in there and saying, "Hey, can I have everything you got on the Time Lords?" No. Can I have everything you got on the beginning of time? No. Can I have your everything you've got on the end of time? No. Okay, what can I have? Like, I just thought that was great, but. <laughs> But um, I, I, what I was actually going to say was just I thought the the him looking at the destruction of Asgard, it was a really interesting, unique transition just in terms of like they built it into like this sort of personal moment again. But that's not really what he's thinking. He's thinking, he's probably sitting there thinking, oh, what would I have done? Because it wouldn't matter. And then all of a sudden he realized, what would I have done in my final days on Asgard? Because it you know, wouldn't matter. You can do anything. It's the last day on Earth. What are you going to do? And then that's when it clicked to him probably that, oh, I could do anything. And then that, therefore, the other Loki could just be doing anything in these disaster areas. I thought it was like a really clever thing, which which Brett uh, already covered there. So I thought it was great. He just kind of basically found the blind spot. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to add there. I just, I really enjoyed that that transition. I thought it was great. And then the scene when they actually got to Pompeii and, and Loki's like, just to hell with everything. He's like letting goats free and telling these things. <laughs> He's like telling these ancient people, oh, I'm from the future. You're about to die in a second. And then the mountain's blowing up behind him. I thought it was, awesome. it, it, was yeah. it was all pretty cool. I thought it was fun. Yeah. The, I'm sorry. That scene of Loki screwing with the people of Pompeii right before they die. That was brilliant. I love it. Yeah, that was a great <laughs> scene. I just love uh, Mobius. is like, okay, let's just try to interfere a little bit in the background. See if it affects. And Loki's like, oh, screw this. And he just jumps up on the cards. I love that. Uh, so what what were your thoughts on the scene I was referencing about him discovering uh, the Ragnarok uh, destruction, Alexis? 
Uh, part of me actually was wanted to see a little bit more about what he was reading because uh, Norse mythology and the Marvel comics have often discussed that Ragnarok has happened multiple times and the characters are constantly reborn. So part of me was actually wondering, is this the recent Ragnarok that we're discussing? Or if uh, this was like a previous Ragnarok, because obviously they would have files on all the Ragnaroks that have happened in Asgard. So, again, just something that caught my eye. I was just wondering about that. Either way, uh, Tom Hiddleston's reaction to it was really good, even though he knew Ragnarok uh, was going to happen. You know, he knew that the end of the world would happen to his people. He still seems very shook up reading about it. You know, Tom Hiddleston has given 110% so far on this series. I've been really impressed with what he's been giving us. Very much so, very much. I would totally agree with that. Uh, we've had several comments in the se chat section over here, uh, comment section, uh, from a David Rooks, uh, and he's uh, has commented a few different times. Uh, one I thought was really interesting was, I almost get the feeling Randy is a future version of Loki. The, if anything, your me line seemed ominous. I almost wonder if they're pulling in uh, Archmage from Gargoyle's arc. Uh, I have no idea what that is. Uh, I'm, if they're referring to the Gargoyles cartoon series, I never watched it, so I don't know. Uh, or if it's from the MCU, I'm, I've never heard of that. that uh, is anyone else heard from that? Yeah, that is the uh, Gargoyle series. There's a arc in, I want to say it's like midway through, or beginning of the second season. I sometimes get the timelines mixed up. Uh, where a villain rescues, he gains time traveling ability and he rescues his younger self from dying to kind of train him to become his future self, him. Basically saying, you're me, I'm you, you're me. Now let's take steps to make sure that you become me. And I swear to God, Jeff, one of these days I'm going to do a video with you without these two having a freaking wrestling match behind me. <laughs> I love that. I don't even notice it. It doesn't even phase me. Yeah. Like, my, my dog's just older, so he kind of just like does his own thing and everything at this point in his life. Like he's not trying to you know, fuck with me or whatever like your dogs do. You know, I think like, it's a great addition to the show. <laughs> it's it's extra entertainment, I think. But uh, yeah. but we need, that was... we need that animal energy, Cyber. We need, we need that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like I said, she's only six months old, and the the other one you've been seeing running is my corgi Eddie, and he's six years old, so he's got a little less energy, but he still loves to play. So, but I, I hate to say, part of me is just like, okay, you do could do whatever the hell you want as long as you're not barking and eating my headset. <laughs> I just want yeah. to, add to, this, to add to this comment just a little bit. Uh, like, I think the, the line where he's talking about uh, the... You remember how... So, throughout this whole thing, Loki's saying, I'm the superior Loki, I'm the superior Loki. And then you get to Randy, and Randy's like, if anything, you're me. Um, so, I think that lends to the idea that uh, she's older. Uh, I mean, obviously, in an alternate split timeline and a different version but she's she's older and that also i think might tie back to the oil field burning um the grass field where she poured down the oil and burn. remember there was like a there was like a staff or a spear or some kind of some weapon which they dated to early uh third millennia which would who knows when that is but sometime between now and the year 2400 ish somewhere in there so it's a you know it's a couple hundred years ahead which almost certainly is hers which would make her older and maybe she looks back at 
this Loki and she knows something about him or knows at what point he would be developed or something like that. I don't, I don't, I think that's what he's getting at though. Mm. Well, if they're referencing uh, that at all, I think that it's probably referencing the fact that the, in the comic books, there was a time frame where Loki knew he was going to die and actually ended up recreating himself or being reborn basically and ended up becoming the female version of Loki. So if they're following that comic book line at all, I think that's probably more what they're talking about. So hence it would his soul, if it got transferred to the new body, would technically would be the older version of Loki we saw die in Endgame and would be an older version of Loki. So I think if they're still following that timeline from Endgame, I think it possibly could be that. Uh, because I've heard a couple of different stories they think that this could be. And that is one of them, is that it's the re- it's basically this female Loki that we saw could possibly be this reborn version of Loki, the one that died from Endgame. Maybe that ties into Alexis's idea here of, of multiple Ragnaroks, sort of. like she did, she, the, Her talking about that made me think about this, that they've died you know historically in norse mythology they they die and they get reborn maybe that sort of ties in here in some way maybe 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 yeah. you guys something. awesome so yeah i mean uh david uh rooks also commented another a nice reference uh about saying he said nice reference catch on kang that ff comic reference was a fun issue torch and thing make a mess of the place i thought that was kind of interesting referencing that comic book itself as well uh by jeff and uh, i thought that uh david had a good point there that yes the thing and the torch made a really big mess in that comic book if i remember correctly and uh, that's kind of similar to some aspects that Loki has in the comic books has dealt with. Uh, but yeah, definitely, I thought it was a great reference to uh, King as well. So, <clears throat> so now that we talked a little bit about that, and uh, you know, referenced that whole Pompeii scene, which I think was hilarious too as hell. Uh, I love that scene. I thought he started speaking to them in their language and telling them they're about to die. And he's like, see? And then Owen Wilson seeing that, you know, oh, yeah, there is no variance being detected here. I thought that was really cool, show, you know, proving that Loki was right. And then after that, they go back to the time bureau and, like, keep discussing stuff, which I thought was really uh, fun. I thought the dialect between them two was really fun and enjoyable. And uh, I just thought that they they brought out some interesting points uh, throughout, uh, you know, that conversation they have, you know, where Loki, I feel, you know, he's got his own agenda, of course. And just the things that he comes up with, I think, are just really fun and enjoyable. Um, So going on with that, what did what did you guys think about the conversation they had after the Pompeii incident? Uh, Let's start with you, Jeff. Well, I felt like, um, if anything, if I had to like be a little bit critical of the show for the first time, it would be that I felt like that arc of the episode kind of um, got real slow. Like it was very suppositional. Um, And that's one thing that was a little bit of a contrast to episode two versus episode one is that I felt like with episode one, there was a lot of dialogue, but there was more um, points where the story picked up, you know, like, um, and, and really paid off from a fan standpoint. 
And I felt like with episode two, um, they kind of doubled down on like the dialogue almost. And there's almost no action really like during the whole episode. And, you know, so um, it's, I feel like that part of this, the, the episode kind of, it didn't drag for me. I found it enjoyable, but that's where things started to kind of slide down that slope for me where like, they, things went sci-fi on me and, and and they got kind of a little bit more complicated and and deep you know like with the episode where they kind of made it more convoluted and interesting to where i kind of like you know again i i totally didn't i, I kind of didn't understand completely what was going on at the end of the episode okay okay yeah most definitely uh david rooks has just posted again and he said loving the show great discussion Nice, flashy new logo. We want to send a shout out. Thank you, David, for that. Uh, we uh, worked really hard on that new logo. Thanks to Mr. Arch down below. He's awesome. And uh, uh, glad you're enjoying the discussion. And thank you for watching. Just to throw that out there. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that inter-dialogue between Mobius and Loki Arch? Uh, I thought they got uh, you know pretty personal with it. The um, uh, You know, it's interesting to see Mobius... Uh, you know, show a lot of a, a bit of uncertainty, I guess, in himself. Like he's trying to figure out how exactly to. I can't quite figure out who's really in charge here because, like, Mobius could be every bit as manipulative as as Loki, as we think of Loki being. So maybe he's not as out of control as maybe it seems like he is. I'm not really sure. Like, it seems like he's trying to figure it out. Uh, Brett brought up a good point earlier where his whole conversation about the jet ski. Um, really makes it seem like he's got this inner humanity that he really wants to explore. Uh, he, he's got it. Almost reminds me of like Men in Black Two. Do you guys remember that when uh, K, like, he, or actually the first one, the first Men in Black, where K like was in the Men in Black, but he he just held that picture of his of his wife that he had to leave, and, and he always sort of had this lingering regret, even though he felt he was doing something bigger for humanity or for the universe or whatever the case might be. So. I don't know, maybe he's got a lot of that left in him. So I thought that was great character stuff to get out. I'm not sure how it's going to play into the ultimate storyline here. Um, I, 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 when Brett was talking about them ultimately working together uh, or siding on something, I, I could totally see that happening. So maybe that's that's where this is leading. I don't know. I don't want to guess too much with this show because I think they've got a lot of good mystery going on here. But I did really love those character moments, and I thought it led to a, um, you know, a pretty good payoff in this one where you had this big climactic like it's not an action scene really but this like tense moment where all of a sudden you realize that randy calling her randy has all these has all these randy has all these like time pruning devices and like you know it gets really intense there you don't really sure what's happening start seeing them all drop and uh then the last shot you see of course is mobius chasing after loki and then loki jumps through the, the time door and disappears i i'm presuming next episode is going to be a lot of him talking, Loki talking to Randy and figuring out what the heck is going on with all this. So I think we're going to get a lot of information next next episode. Yeah, most definitely. Totally agree. How about you, Alexa? What did you think about the inner dialogue? First of all, Owen Wilson and Tom Hilson have really great chemistry together. You know, I, I never would have picked those two to work together in the MCU, but it just goes to show how great the casting agent is for this show. And what I loved about it is that it, it just shows how they're constantly trying to one up each other. 
you know, Loki has his own agenda. Mobius knows he has his own agenda, but at the same time, Loki is trying to help so he can get his uh, audience with the timekeepers. And Mobius has to take everything he says with a grain of salt. And I love just the line he says, okay, fine, but there's one thing you know about me. It's that I love being right. It's just, that's the one thing that he knows. It's like, it's like, it's like, fine, I have an agenda. Fine, I have this. But you know that I love being right. So that's why you should trust me on this because I don't, I wouldn't want to say this just to, you know, to be wrong. Yeah, I thought that was a really good, uh, you know, bit there. Very much so. Very much so. So, Mr. Jeff, you have a trailer you would like to share? Give me two two shakes of a tail and I'll I'll throw it on real quick. Two shakes of a tail. We'll see a trailer from Loki here, folks. So keep tuned. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Did we do the Dune trailer last episode, or did I did, did we not play that? Yes, no, we you played it last episode. We played the last episode. Okay. Yep. What do you think, Arch? Is it is it worth a second look? The Dune trailer? Yeah. Totally up to you. It's a really good trailer, though. Yeah, it is. It's really. I can't wait to see that film. I really can't. And now a special look at Marvel Studios' original series, Loki. Maybe Loki wants to mix it up. Is that possible? You can change? Hi. This variant is insubordinate, stubborn, unpredictable. He's doing great. You need the god of mischief. But he's really arrogant. I am Loki. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. Unbelievable. Wherever you go, it's just death, destruction, the literal ends of worlds. I know. Original series streaming June 9th only on Disney Plus. I know what this place is. The timekeepers have built quite the circus. And I see the clowns are playing their parts to perfection. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Please sign to verify this is everything you've ever said. This is absurd. Sign this, too. We protect the proper flow of time. You picked up the Tesseract, breaking reality. I want you to help us fix it. Why me? I need your unique Loki perspective. Do I get a weapon? Nah. believe in this Loki variant. Luckily, he believes in himself enough for the both of us. It is adorable that you think you could possibly manipulate me. I'm ten steps ahead of you. 
You're not big on trust, are you? You can trust me. Hoagie, I've studied almost every moment of your entire life. You've literally stabbed people in the back like 50 times. Why never do it again? All right, so those were the two trailers, people. So much fun. And once again, like we said before in one of our previous streams, both of those almost had every single little scene from the first two episodes like we were talking about. Anyways. But anyway, so now that we progress past that Pompeii scene, them having the conversation, then we they end up, you know, discovering, oh, the variant could be in this one place in Oklahoma. And so then we go to where they, you know, basically end up going and end up over in twenty fifty to see if they if that's where the variant is that they think is where this variant's hiding because they discovered the whole no variants thing with Pompeii. So what was your guys' thoughts when Loki used whatever power he used to dry his clothes? I, I thought that scene was absolutely hilarious. I laughed my butt off at it. So I'm wondering what you guys thought about that scene. Uh, let's start with you, Jeff. Um, it, I thought it was funny. I mean, you know, it, it, it like it, it certainly wasn't as freaking terrible as like the end of the Eternals trailer with that complete joke, like of a supposed joke there at the end of that that completely like just fell flat so compared to that like i mean it was like an oscar worthy performance basically i would agree with that too what what are your thoughts arch on on him in that scene uh yeah i thought it was fun um actually you know what honestly i was more thinking about that i so i grew up a little bit in the panhandle of florida which isn't all that far from the coast of alabama <laughs> i wasn't I wasn't in Alabama, but a couple hours from I was just looking at the whole area with some familiarity, which uh, which I thought was kind of cool. But the I, I was I was actually thinking more of I've been through a lot of hurricanes being in Florida, and I've I've never seen one wipe out like an entire building. So I was wondering how bad how bad they're predicting hurricanes get by twenty fifty. That's a lot of damage, man. That's, that doesn't really happen just for anybody who's never lived in Florida. There's not like there's not like a lawnmower of people die when it comes through. It's not quite that bad. You, you can relax if you haven't been through one. Just yeah, well, definitely. Climate change. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, um, I, I, I live in Missouri. We don't have to worry about climate change, but we've had a few tornadoes come through that would probably level a rocks cart <laughs> uh, very easily. <laughs> we're definitely more. We're definitely more worried about uh, a tornado spinoff than than anything else. Now, I, I, I won't. I don't live on the coast. That's that's a little bit of a different thing. So if you live on the coast, I'm not gonna. I live inland a bit, so I'm not that worried about them. Anyway, we're way off Loki here. I thought the. I thought I thought Loki's whole play throughout the entire thing, just this whole conversation in, in the entire Roxcart shop, uh, dealing at, at kind of how he goes off on his own, especially when you, he starts to realize that whole moment when he realizes he's talking to Randy, 
he's talking to his, his other self is is really is really pretty cool like i think he looks at him and he says something like you're me or something like that it's it, it was really cool and trippy and i want to go watch that episode again right now about it. i have it on in the background so i'm re-watching it as we speak um yeah so yeah i mean yeah i thought that was just the scene is hilarious i think and you know i think that just that showed another power variant of this variant uh, because, you know, we were talking about earlier about how Loki, was, we were thinking, oh, he's got like some kind of weird extra powers growing or something like that, which we haven't confirmed or anything like that. But still, I think I've never seen him in any of the other films do anything to that extent. So I thought it was kind of interesting that they made sure that was kind of a focal point of that beginning of that scene, showing him being able to do that. So I don't know if that's kind of like trying to, you know, pinpoint that, yes, this maybe this Loki has other powers we didn't know about and so forth and you, stuff like that. You just made me think of that actually. Cause when I was watching it, I did have that thought of, uh, so when he does illusions, does he, does he just look like he's dry or is he actually dry? So, but he confirmed he's actually dry here, which is a different thing than just looking like you're dry. So I, yeah, I, I did pick up on that. Yeah. So what did you think about that scene, Alexis? Well, first of all, the dry humor in Wid when he's saying it's like, I use magic to dry myself off. Because, again, talking about how the, it's like, because it's a, it, the, the variant's going to hear the, the squeaky shoes of them <laughs> running through. I, I just, again, I thought that was really hilarious. Very much so. Very much so. Not uh, to so mention, uh, how many of us wish we had that ability coming in from out of the storm, just like, and dry clothes. <laughs> That I would, would be for that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. Very much so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought that, like I was saying, I just think that was a great scene. So that leads us to finally coming in contact with him speaking to his other self or the other Loki uh, that, you know, he basically encounters. Uh, we see a few different things go on at, towards the end of the scene here. We get the introduction to what we think is Lady Loki. They didn't confirm or say it's Lady Loki. It just We just see that it's a woman that's dressed like Loki. Uh, we have the whole funny thing with the Randy thing, which I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Like, So we were talking about that earlier, how he, like I said, he does like the mind possession thing. Well, if you notice when uh, the, the main... Uh, uh, H, what's her name? HU15 or whatever. Um, she actually is touched by the other guy that says he's uh, doing the plant buying at this store at the time. And you see him touch her, and that transfers the power into him. So that's another power variant thing going on that I noticed in the episode, too, that I thought was kind of interesting. Because I've never seen Loki actually do that, except for shapeshift himself into, like, say, Captain America or Thor at one point in the different films. Um, so I was wondering what you guys thought about that, about seeing that actually happen versus it just being mind control. What do you think, Jeff? Um... I mean, again, again, with you know, with knowing Loki from the comic books and everything and whatnot, like, um, it, it's just him, like Tom Hiddleston, being able to actually play the character more close to the vest than they normally have him um, as Loki, kind of in the Thor films and in the the Avengers film in 2012. Um, they kind of limited him in terms of uh, his magical abilities and stuff like that and whatnot. 
because um, of the kind of the character they wanted him to be, the villain they wanted him to be. I feel like uh, in this series, especially, Tom Hiddleston really gets to play Loki in a different way than he ever had. Um, it's very it's a unique opportunity. You know, if you if you look at the whole situation with these Disney Plus series, these Marvel series, where like they're almost like um, a a petri dish where like Marvel Studios can kind of just like try different different concepts and like let you know try different characters and and let them kind of you know go and see how the fans react. And I feel like um, you know. I feel like we saw with WandaVision, uh, you know, like the elevation of Monica Rambeau as a character. Um, and then we saw with Captain, you know, Ca uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. We saw um, John Walker, his arc really get played out, you know, in the, in the whole series. And now I feel like um, this is going to be Tom Hiddleston's moment, like, you know, at this point, like, you know, to play this character in a unique way that's going to be really interesting and kind of maybe even create a dynamic where we keep having Loki for like another four or five or six years in the MCU. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Arch? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, it's, it's all kind of mysterious here. Like my first thought was that this is kind of, this, this is what led me to think that maybe, uh, Randy is, is, uh, kind of a, a future version Right, like that's had a couple hundred extra years of experience, and maybe these powers are, are something she's developed that Loki either then learns from or would have developed, you know, in the natural course of, of his life eventually. He just gets better and better at being able to use his powers. That's what I was thinking with that. I um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to keep if, if Tom is going to stick around for a long period of time or if this is more like a Black Widow situation where I think. The film isn't really about making sure that Scarlett, jo Scarlett Johansson herself sticks around, uh, but is about setting up a bunch of other things like the Thunderbolts or, um, you know, any of these other characters who might, or, you know, a Taskmaster that might carry on and continue on. So maybe the show is about, you know, setting up the, you know, the fractured timeline so that that can play into a Secret Wars movie or like maybe it's about setting up a kid Loki and that that character can 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 take off and we have some other completely different version of Loki for a long period of time. I'm not really sure where they're going with this. and. I'm a little hesitant to guess, but um, like I said earlier, I think next episode is going to be really great in terms of, of of revealing what it is this this alternate character we're assuming is female Loki is is all about and, and how she relates to Tom. Mm, yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, did you have any thoughts about it, Alexis? Did that like height? Did that like interest you at all? Did what were your thoughts on it? Well, firstly, I hate to bring this back to the previous question, but I'm I'm pulling up some info about. Uh, the most recent episode online here. I don't like bringing up politics, but apparently that hurricane scene in Alabama was kind of a slam at Trump. Do you guys remember a couple of years ago when there was a hurricane projection and they found out that Trump drew, took Sharpie and Drew on the map to try to include Al, uh, Alabama in the pathway of the hurricane uh, to prove what he had said right do you guys remember no, this i never heard i never heard mm -hmm. of that no that sounds, i haven't that sounds okay like, uh that sounds like a conspiracy theory to me to be to be quite frank 
Oh, I can pull up the pictures. I, he did. He showed the map. We saw that he drew on it with Sharpie. But yeah, apparently having Alabama wiped out by a hurricane because yeah, like Arch is saying, Alabama really, you know, unless you're on the coast, Alabama really isn't in the path of a hurricane. Well, I, so. I can I can show you a hundred thousand dead people that voted for Joe Biden in Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? But we could, you know, I don't want to talk about that. So no, like I said, I was just that was just something that just kind of made me laugh. I was pulling it up, and the, yeah, there's a thing people are saying that they think that the hurricane in Alabama was a, a joke about that moment that he did that with the map. So I just find that kind of interesting. It's like really, you guys think that? I don't know. Um, I, I did don't... really. I did really enjoy the scene of Loki talking to his older self. I loved when uh, uh, Randy kept switching and Lady and Loki's like, God, now it's no wonder Trump or no wonder uh, Thor hated this so much. <laughs> that was a good line. Yeah, that was good. Most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, so to basically round it out, like, so like Jeff was saying before earlier, he was saying how uh, he didn't get what was going on with the, the different, those different timeline things going on, uh, the things going down in the doorways and so forth. Uh, but one thing I did notice, I feel like that basically I, to me, what I thought was going on is she was actually this female Loki or whatever Loki it is, was trying to create other timelines probably trying to erase certain things that happened in his past to to start new timelines is what i think is what he's trying to do but that's basically what she was doing was she was trying to create other timelines and we saw that in the scene where at the tva all of a sudden these other timelines were shooting off from that main timeline and that's pretty much kind of i feel what the next episode is going to deal with is kind of those timelines and what's going on so as we get to the end, you know, we discover who, you know, who this Loki is. It's supposedly uh, female Loki and so forth. And he ends up going through the doorway with her. Uh, it kind of just ends there, you know, Mobius running after and so forth. So when that when it showed that scene where it shows the timelines all of a sudden starting to create new timelines, what were your guys' thoughts? Uh, let's start with you, Arch. Uh, I thought it was really epic. I mean, I thought that whole thing like built up and was really intense. It wasn't like an action scene per se, but it like kind of had that energy to it. So I thought that was really cool. Um, my, my first thought, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, was that uh, maybe maybe what was going on, and I and I based this on the fact that again at the Ren Fair when Loki and Mobius were talking, Mobius was saying you can't come in, you have you have to come into a split timeline in in the order it's going, and you can't just jump in before and prevent stuff from happening. But maybe that's only their rule, and maybe maybe female Loki here, Randy. Sorry, Randy. Maybe Randy. <laughs> maybe Randy. Randy. Maybe I. I. am just kind of have this idea that maybe Randy's figured out. Hey, if I just drop these pruning devices in before they they that the TBA prunes that timeline, then the then the branch keeps growing. So I've got this idea that maybe that's what happened, but I don't know where I don't know what the goal would be. I don't know like what the end game is. I, I don't know why this this Randy character wants all these branches growing. I I don't know. I I I, I, I on podcast of champions last week, uh, Jeff would know this. One of our questions at the end was, uh, is the TVA nefarious in some sort of way? Maybe maybe not by but. You know, because I, I don't think that they I, I think that they're neutral by default, like they just want to maintain this timeline. But maybe there's something about that that just isn't a good thing or 
that this Randy character wants these other timelines for some other purpose. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't really want to guess, but I. I kind of got this feeling that that Randy isn't the ultimate villain here. We're gonna figure out why she's doing what she's doing, and no. I I, I kind of keep going back to R Ravana right now. Like she she's she's obviously she is hiding something. We know that for sure because she's hiding access and the whereabouts of of the timekeepers. Well, if there's something more behind that, I don't know. But I was really excited to see that happen because it feels like the show really just got, like took a big push. So I thought that was exciting. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Uh, let's welcome back Mr. Brett. He's on audio with us. Welcome back, Brett. Oh, well, I thought he was there. Oh, Brett, you there? Well, I guess not. <laughs> More about that, Cyber. Well, uh, well, I guess he's not. Anyways, yeah, very good parts points, Arch. Yeah, I did catch the actually I did catch that uh, live stream of that. I watched it and I remember that question at the end, and that is a very great point. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the timeline thing, Jeff? Now that we kind of explained it for you. Well, I I do want to uh, mention that I had a great time on the podcast of Champions. I really did um, with Arch. It was great. Uh, it was a, a really fun experience. Um, we did a really solid you know concise like you know to the point review on there um you know maybe not as long as the one we did on here uh, a couple days before that but um you know it, it was a great show I had, I had a great time on there and um the uh the guys the 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 ladies and, and gentlemen over at sakar uh dot freeforums uh dot net have some uh serious talent when it comes to um like you know dropping comments and opinions and whatnot on uh on like these disney plus shows and the mcu stuff um it was really good on i had a really good time on there uh uh, uh but either way um and i would just want to really take a minute and thank arch for being here and thank alexis for being here like i we really are are, uh, are very appreciative to have you on and um you know alexis for you to have to be sitting there and fighting off your dog like the entire time for hours, like <laughs> I gotta give you props for that. I mean, mm. your energy level is like through the roof. <laughs> Thank you very much. Like I said, entertainment, entertainment. Thank you. Thank you for the entertainment. We enjoy. Oh. We enjoy the dogs. Yes. Oh, and <laughs> and the um, the Rutledge and Broadcasting Network. I just want to thank Mark. Uh, for getting me in touch with Alexis and connecting us and everything and whatnot. That's one of the great things about, you know, uh, being a content creator of some kind is that you get to, whether it's MCU or whatever, you get to like build these friendships and these connections. And I never would have met Alexis without Mark. And um, Mark's been really great to me and he's given me some opportunities and everything, you know, with his shows and stuff like that. I'm going to be on this Saturday, I believe, with Alexis doing the trivia show on there. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I really just, just want to, you know, give a shout out to Mark, uh, Mark Rudledge. Uh, he's been great. Thank you, Mark. Um, and, uh, as far as, um, the, the, like the, the wrap up, I guess, of like the episode of Loki and where the whole story went and everything. Um, I feel like, again, I really want to watch it again. I want to watch it like a third time because the, like, I feel like this episode really is the first episode that took us to the same place that we got with WandaVision and Falcon of the Winter Soldier a little bit less than WandaVision where 
you start to speculate about what's going to happen next and really start to like develop different theories and um, different potential, you know, characters that can pop up and stuff like that. And as far as um, the, the whole enchantress angle that Alexis brought up earlier, um, the, uh, the enchantress uh, goes by the name of um, Amora and the character actually comes out of the Ragnarok era of Thor comics, which is the same era of the comics where um, Lady Loki came out, was like created as a character and everything and whatnot. Just to put that out there, so like there is some like tangibility to what Alexis is saying as far as the whole Enchantress deal. That very well could be the Enchantress. Like I said, MCU has had a habit of combining certain elements and certain characters together to try to save time and just make the scripts a little easier. My, the best example being the Tesseract, uh, as aka the comic, the Cosmic Cube, and the Infinity Stone. You know, we know that in the comics those were two different things. Not so. I have Agamotto and the other Infinity Stone being another. It wouldn't surprise me if they decided to combine Enchantress and Lady Loki into one character. Yeah, that brings me to my final question before we go into the Rotten Tomatoes portion of our show. And I don't know if any of you caught this, I don't know if any of you watched through the credits, but in the credits, under the actress's name, it says next to it, Sylvia. Which we all know Sylvia is the person that ends up becoming the Enchantress because Lady Loki decides to pursue her with powers uh, to mess with her. Uh, mm. and th that's where the Oklahoma thing comes in, where, where new Asgard has been created. And so she basically thinks that she is like a former Asgardian that has been reborn, basically. And she actually ends up taking that down the level where... Uh, she ends up actually joining the Cabal, the Freemasons, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, basically, she ends up uh, becoming a part of uh, Green Goblin's band of young Avengers at one point in the comic books. So that's also a possibility that they're going for. But I thought that was kind of interesting in the end credits that they actually put it under her name is sylvia so like we were talking about the combining of characters it looks like it's very possible that is what is going to happen so i was curious what you guys' thoughts on that or if you actually did see that uh let's start with you uh arch uh, i'm actually just looking that up right now so the enchant yeah no here it is i'm, I'm just on the wikipedia page just for for you know, just so you know uh the second enchantress the second enchantress is the young Sylvia Lushton, who was given great mystic powers. Now, I don't know enough about Enchantress to know if the first or second one is the primary one, you know, the one people think about most commonly. I have no idea, but uh, that, that's, that's really curious. So, yeah, no, I, I, I totally buy in on the idea of uh, that they've combined a lot of things. I mentioned that a lot. They've done it with a lot of characters. Um, there's a great YouTube channel. I don't know the exact name of it right now, but they do a lot of... Um, uh, Hella isn't Hella, and ego isn't ego type videos. If you if you just Google those terms, literally like ego isn't ego, you'll probably find it. Um, but it, it's interesting to see them go in and break down like the. And sometimes it's more than two characters. Sometimes it's like three or four or five. I know Hella like had uh, some elements of gore in her, 
Um, and Gore, meanwhile, uh, by the way, is showing up in Thor 4, so it, it doesn't preclude them if they use some Enchantress elements here from doing a full-on Enchantress later or something, who knows, but uh, my favorite one is Ego, uh, uh, com combining him with the Gardener in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I thought that was that was a great little touch. Um, so yeah, no, no, it's really interesting here, and, and if they actually, I didn't pay that much attention to the credits, but if they actually named her Sylvia, then I think it's almost undeniable that they're at least melding her with Enchantress if she's just not Enchantress outright. So curious, really curious. I can't wait to see where that goes now. I'm going to have to yeah. get more into that. You've, got, you, yeah. you, you, you've pricked my eyebrows, sir. <laughs> well, uh, how about you, Alexis? Did you see that or did, did you have any thoughts on that? No, I missed that completely. Uh, very good catch. <laughs> very impressed. Yeah, so I, I thought that was kind of an interesting take. Uh, I don't know if you caught it, Jeff. Doesn't sound like you probably did because no. you said you barely remember the episode, anyways. So, <laughs> hey, shout out to Black Widow, baby! July 9th. can't wait. Going to theaters to see it without question. That's right. Have you gotten your tickets yet? No, I don't need to because uh, the, uh, my theater right over here in my area of uh, Southwest Florida, over here near Arch, is um, very devoid in like uh, like uh, enthusiasm for the theater here in this area. So I don't think I'll have to be like fighting people off tooth and nail and everything to get in the theater like on uh, on opening day. But we'll see if I've got to like you know whatever. We'll see what happens. But no, um, no, with the pandemic and everything. Um, our theater has been like limited capacity and stuff. You know what I mean? And a lot of people aren't really going, going to the theater that much. So um, I'm assuming that I'll, that I'll be able to just show up there and, and buy my ticket probably like on July 9th and I should be okay, but we'll see what happens. I mean, that'd be an interesting uh, like uh, topic to talk about, like how well the Black Widow film's gonna do box office wise. I mean, honestly, Alexis, you do a lot of movie reviews and stuff like that. What do you think? What do you think? Like the film could do box office wise during the pandemic? Well, it's kind of hard to judge it by the pandemic because with so many people now vaccinated, thank you God, yeah. that not many. You know, businesses are opening back up, but there is still the fact that Disney Plus is going to do streaming for Black Widow, but it's going to be for their premium price, uh, which. They already have evidence that does pretty well, as we saw through uh, Mulan, Raya, and Cruella. Which is what, 30 bucks a pop? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actually makes sense if you've got a larger family or if you want to bring a lot of people over to watch it. Uh, Mark Radulich, uh, my boss on the other podcast, uh, he's got two kids. So he talks about when, the, when these happen, it's actually better for him for them to all to stay in and watch it because then you're otherwise you're buying two adult tickets and two kid tickets. So works for him, but for someone like me, if I'm going to go see the movie by myself or it's me and my husband and we're going to go see the movie, then yeah, it's cheaper to go out to the movie. So there is kind of that uh, leeway. And not to mention, I don't think we've seen enough uh, evidence yet on how movies are doing at the box office right now. They are picking up steadily, but I can't really make a guess on what we're going to see. And I, and I know there'd be no point in even asking Arch because Arch Arch does Arch. Did you even watch that trailer that we played earlier during the show, or did you like kind of like evade your eyes? I I, I ducked and, and, and covered. <laughs> I, I've got I've got a heavy blanket over here that I that I hid under, so that that no sensory information. It looked like you were watching it like to some extent. Did you enjoy it? 
No, 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 no. I did. Uh, the I, I watched uh, quite a bit of it, and then uh, there were a couple little scenes that I hadn't seen yet. And yeah, I I I am a trailerphobia man. I I I will Arch run away. Watch Arch doesn't believe it. He doesn't like to give like uh like ratings to like the episodes and the series and stuff like that. That's his deal. So I respect him. <laughs> I, you know, here's, here's the reason I don't give ratings. I guess I should explain this. This is a good time to explain it. Like, so I feel like everybody has a different, like one to 10 doesn't mean the same thing to everybody. Like, so like when everybody's giving one to 10 ratings, it's like, what does that mean? Is five like average or is five terrible? Cause some, some, for some people five is terrible. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Like, so I, I, just, I don't get a lot of meaning out of it. So it doesn't, I don't, I don't care. I can't do it. Cause it doesn't, I'm just throwing a number out there. If I give you a number, it doesn't mean anything to me. Love your uh, button, by the way, Arch. Thank you, thank you. Go Loki. Yeah. I actually just uh, released a set of cufflinks with that uh, design on them from my shop. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Uh, I I just happened upon this. I was in a store and I looked at it and I was like, oh, I'm we're doing Loki reviews like next week. I got to get this. So. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so before we start doing the Rotten Tomatoes reviews here that Jeff's so lovingly pulling up for us, uh, David Rooks has mentioned a couple things again. Here, I'd just like to shout out for him. He says that keep suggesting Loki me plan to overthrow the TBA. Perhaps that's what the mass branching was geared towards, which that is a very possible good point. Uh, that's very possible, David. We in uh, thank you for commenting on that. And also he wrote, he said, when the female Loki concept was raised, I asked why since that would basically be Enchantress, so merging them would silence that concern. That's a very good point too as well. So yeah, I think I think that's the path that Marvel's taking with this. Is I think they have merged the two stories together, and that's what we're going to end up seeing in the film, or in the series, I should say. And uh, I, I, you know, with the, the concept of you know going to three seasons for Loki... Uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing this character throughout all three seasons. So I, I am assuming that's probably what they're going to be doing. It, it's not concrete or anything, but that's a very good, valid point, David, and thank you for bringing that up. Uh, go ahead, uh, Jeff, with the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Okay, first off, Zara Thalon from Two Minute Telly. WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier set the standards as high as Asgard. Loki and his cheeky little persona has come along to raise that bar even higher with yet another fresh and original start that sees him toying with his own conscience. Um, I, I like that. I think that's that's pretty solid, um, but I'd love to hear everybody's opinion on that. Why uh, is Asgard? Alexis, what do you think? Is, <laughs> do you agree? Um. Well, I'm going to agree with you guys there. High as Asgard doesn't really work. Asgard isn't in the heavens. <laughs> you know, it's another branch of the tree of life. You know, I, I think this this reviewer got confused with Asgard and heaven. So, um, we actually have a phrase on the Rattle Gym Broadcast Network. We call them... Uh, tick bird reviewers uh it's our name for reviewers who are writing something and it's abundantly clear their number one priority is not to give an honest review or a good review it is to give a clever sounding review so that they can end up on the poster or the dvd box or the website or anything like that we see a lot of those when we're reviewing it's just like you didn't write anything of you know it's like or it's like 
when we're talking about a bad movie and someone gives a good review, it's like that doesn't make any sense. It's ob- it's like you obviously are just trying to do this to get notoriety and get famous. And yeah, we compared it to tick birds who get on top of rhinos and other dangerous animals to get parasites for them. It's just like you're just, you know, just trying to help yourself. So that's what we call reviewers like that. Tick bird reviewers. Every sentence is an analogy of some sort. Like that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most certainly I totally agree with that. Next okay. one, Jeff? What else oh, we yeah. got? No, well, no, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, I feel like um, it's a uh, it's it's somewhat it's a somewhat on point review. Um, I definitely agree with Alexis. I don't know what the whole deal with the Asgard, like elevating Asgard like that thing is about. I guess that must be like a comparison to like heaven or something like that, because it doesn't really make any sense. But um, no, but uh, I, I feel like I, I, I think Alexis makes a good point that some of these people you don't even know if they even watch the the show you know like they just yeah those you know so um i mean if it was me i wouldn't make a good critic for the mcu because i'm so like optimistic and confident about kevin feige and marvel studios like i'm so like um i'm automatically like you know want to see the properties do well and i want to see the series do well and that's the kind of fan i am so I wouldn't do well as a critic at all, just because I mean, when it boils down to it, I love the superhero content. I love the MCU specifically. There's a reason why I'm not a DCU fan. I'm an MCU fan. True, true, true. Well, let's face it. We'll be DCU fans as soon as they stop giving Zack Snyder so much money. <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a nap in the middle of his Justice League cut. Okay, don't get me, I, don't I, get me started on that. Yeah, I, I finished it yet. I, I'm still on segment uh, episode <laughs> six or whatever. Segment six. I haven't finished the final battle. If, if, we're, if we're if we're allowed to do this, then I, I seriously we paused every hour and tried to recount how little it happened in the course of an hour. We, we were like, wait, so all that's happened in the last hour was this? That's it? Like that's all that happened? It was never mind. We we really did that. It looked good, though. It we tried good. to count. See, we tried to count how many times they used the one woman wailing trope for the minute Wonder uh, Woman showed on screen. <laughs> there was no need to even have Wonder Woman in the uh, Batman versus Superman film. Like it wasn't even necessary. You know, like they could have very well just not even had her character in the film, and it would have been fine. Okay, this is Marvel's MCU's bleeding edge. Okay, no talking about DCU. Thank you. Oh, come on. You've got to give us an opportunity once in a while to talk about how the DCEU is floundering. I I can go on with that for hours, so you you better put an anchor on it. They've definitely (laughs) had films that were not that great, but I don't agree with with, uh, Just League. I really enjoyed the four-hour cut. I liked it. I thought it was fantastic. I've enjoyed it, and so I've watched it for like three times now. So I think yeah. it's, I think it's really, I thought it was really well done. It's the weeding cut that I think sucked really bad. Oh, they, I, I thought they both sucked. I'm sorry. The, Agree to disagree. The trailer, yeah. for, the trailer for that for the the Snyder cut is sick with Dark Side, and he like jumps out of that like ship and like lands on the ground and like picks up the dirt with his hand and everything and whatnot, and he's like, "I'll ground you down to dust or whatever." Like you know, I ground thousands of planets into dust or whatever that was awesome man like i'm sorry but 
So next rotten re review, please. <laughs> All right. Lasso in us back. <laughs> out of respect okay, for Sabu, so, I more. All right. Loki will hit the spot for Marvel fans waiting for the next batch of theatrical releases, but it's also not stale and proves that being a franchise doesn't have to mean limiting real creativity. And this is from AC uh, Ren Giffo, uh, Entertainment Voice. I, I personally, I don't know what you think, Cyber, but um, I think that that's pretty accurate. I feel like uh, Loki is hitting the spot with MCU fans. And, um, and I feel like um, in terms of, for me anyways, I feel like I've enjoyed the Loki series more than I have the, the WandaVision or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series already so far. So, I mean, for me, um, I feel like in terms of staving things off before the films start to come out, you know, it, it is pretty a pretty good review. Yeah, I, th I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I think out of the three series that they've launched so far, this one definitely feels the most complete. Uh because of how things happened with the pandemic, that's why Falcon the Winter Soldier uh, wasn't as good as it should have been. Because originally we were supposed to get that before we got WandaVision. And they ended up pushing WandaVision forward, and we got that first. So I think because of all that pushing and stuff like that, those two shows were not completely given the vision that they truly wanted. And I think Loki, because they've actually had enough time to do that with, that's why I think this is more of a complete show. So I would definitely agree with that uh, that comment, that it is a better of the shows. Well, Arch, what do you think of that review, brother? Yeah, yeah no, I just, I think, yeah, no, I think they're getting to play with the, a lot of unique concepts now. Uh, I, I always thought, even going back to phase two that by the time they got to phase four they were going to have the freedom to do whatever they wanted because they'd be totally playing with house money like if they really pulled off you'd like seriously go put yourself back in the mind of just after avengers in like 2013 and you're you're thinking they're really going for the infinity gauntlet but you don't know how that's going to play out but in, in my mind i was thinking if they actually do that they'll just be able to do anything they want to after that and so you've got these like crazy wacky shows where wanda creating little bubble reality and being on a TV show and Loki bouncing around through a timeless multiversal void of whatever it is. I, I just, I, I love it, man. I think they're doing all kinds of different stuff. All these shows feel, feel very different from one another. They're obviously being very creative with it. And I think it's fun, man. I'm having a good time with it. So I agree with the review. Yeah, most definitely. Alexis, what your thoughts? Uh, Jeff, could you read that review one more time? Uh, when you first read it, there was a little feedback and I didn't get the whole thing. That's totally fine. Give me one second. Um, Loki will hit the spot for Marvel fans waiting for the next batch of theatrical releases, but it's also not stale and proves that being a franchise doesn't have to mean limiting real creativity. Yes, I definitely agree. One of the things I've loved so much about not just this series, but yeah, also Falcon Winter Soldier and WandaVision is that they are able to tie these shows into the Marvel Universe, but they are also able to be standalone shows. I feel that this is something that would have limited a lot of creators that they really wouldn't have known how to do both of these. I, I mean, th they practically name dropped uh, the Doctor Strange movie in the first episode when they were showing uh, what happens when the timeline splinters. You know, it's just like she actually said something about multiverse and madness. By the way, we love you, Tara Strong. You are awesome as Miss Minutes. 
don't ever go anywhere. You rock. Your, she's one of the best voice actors out there. The Miss Minutes scene during the episode two was awesome. I didn't even think about that until now. It was great. Yes, when Loki's assaulting the hologram. Yeah, it was awesome. That was awesome. Definite highlight. That was. But yeah, I really love, because I'm sitting there going, like, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying the characters. But I'm also really excited to see how this is going to play out and tie into the Doctor Strange film. And I'm still kind of taking bets here. Who's going to shatter the multiverse more? Is it going to be Wanda or is it going to be Loki? Good question. Mm -hmm. Good question. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Last review. Okay. Don't mind me. Smacking your own camera over there. <laughs> That's a me. I like to do the smack of things. The new MCU series is a time-traveling crime thriller. The first two episodes are heavy on the exposition between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston and light on the action, but it is full of intrigue with a setup that will keep viewers tuned in. From Lupe Rodriguez Haas, cinemamovie.tv. Arch, what do you think, yeah, that, brother? No, yeah, that's totally fair. I mean, it's 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 a little bit more cerebral, if if I can use that term. It, it's 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 a lot about what they're thinking and concepts and things like that more than it is like action. And I think that's fine because I I honestly I, I think that's what a film like maybe Doctor Strange, like a character like that, should should probably be doing more than like you know uh, fisticuff action like all the time. So I I think it's I think it's interesting to get this, especially after we just had a series like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Which was a ton of action, like all the time. So I think it's cool to get just a more cerebral, um, you know, high concept sort of sort of show out of it. I, th I find it really interesting. Um, I, I just want to go on a small rant, if I may, about creativity too. There's, I, I the last review got me thinking about this, and especially Alexis's response here. The, the 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 pinnacle of creativity isn't necessarily having a completely blank canvas. You can do anything you want from like a lot of things like. Um, I started off in drafting, by the way, which is why I've kind of had an interest in this. But a lot, a lot of times, like if you're if you're doing something like building a house, it's it's really about relating to the established environment you're building that in. Which, in the case of film, would be connecting to these other shows and things like that. And you can be highly creative doing that. Like when you're building a house, you don't really necessarily, if you're really being creative about it, you're not putting a cookie cutter house that you could just put and move anywhere and put on any plot of land. You're thinking about which way the windows are facing and how big you want them and how, you know how, how light and space and how it's going to relate to the environment around you. Maybe you've got a big, good, nice view on one side that you want to walk out into that. Versus the, you know what I mean? There's like just lots of things about the environment um, from lighting to spacing to uh, maybe you're like in a ground condition where you can do a little basement thing, but maybe you're in Florida where you can't do that. Just like there's lots of little environmental impacts that, that go into creative decisions. So I think you can be highly creative writing a show that connects to other things. That doesn't limit creativity. I just wanted to put that out there. Very true. Very true. Most definitely. Um, Cyber, what are your thoughts on that review, brother? How do you feel about it? I think it was exactly very true. I think that he was very precise and accurate on the situation. Yes, there was very little action. Um, just like Arch was saying, it is very cerebral. But... I mean, there was action going on at the end of the episode, you know, where Loki was going through and through stuff and, and being beat up by that big guy that was being 
taken over by female Loki. And then we, of course, we had the uh, fight sequence with Miss Minutes, you know, as David Brooks here has so lovingly told us about. He's like, I saw some complaints about the lack of action in episode two, but clearly the Miss Minutes fight sinks the boat. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, yeah, that fight sequence was awesome. I mean, he was trying to bat her, you know, as good as he could, but, you know, and of course he missed. Kind of like that whack-a-mole thing going on, you know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, clearly, you know, it, 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 there was a little bit of action. And not as heavy as, like, say, Falcon the Winter Soldier or anything like that. But still, there was still a little bit of action in it. So I, I completely agree with the guy's, uh, you know, comment and that. I think that's very accurate. Okay, Alexis, what do you think about that review? Uh, I'll read it to you one more time. Um, okay. The new MCU series is a time-traveling crime thriller. The first two episodes are heavy on the exposition between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston and light on the action, but it's full of intrigue with a setup that will keep viewers tuned in. Well, it has to be a little bit more dialogue and less action because we got a lot we need to explain. I mean, we're talking about the physics of the timeline and how the shattering works and everything. We have to explain a lot of these rules. There's a lot they have to get out. And I also thought they did a very good job giving visual metaphors to help explain that when Loki's talking about hiding in the apocalypse and he uses the salad and then they go to Pompeii and explain, it clears it up. You know, he could have just, you know, sat there and said, okay, so this is my theory about where the variant's hiding. And it probably would have gone over like so many heads or they would have been so bored by it or something. But I like that they use really good visual metaphors for that. Very true. Most definitely. Very true. Very true. <laughs> so that is it for this live stream, guys. We want to thank both of our uh, other amazing guests today. Uh, of course, everyone look at Jeff's shirt because he's showing Black Widow. I love Black uh, Widow, man. Uh, Start wanna... Hope you're studying up on Black Widow for uh, Saturday's tripped up trivia. She will be. We, it's going to be focusing on female superheroes. You know, we're going to be asking about her. That's what I was trying to hit you up for information. I was trying to pump you <laughs> earlier to like get me so I can do my research and everything and whatnot. I don't want to come on the show and like end up looking stupid. Well, I can't tell you whichever all the characters we're going to talk about. That's not fair. You know, well, I can't give you a cheat sheet. Alexa, like, can you can you plug that for us too? Since I think you're basically it's your show, isn't it? Mine and Jesse Starcher's show. Yes, uh, we're going to be recording Tripped Up Trivia for the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network uh, this Saturday. The theme is female superheroes. Jeff is going to be a contestant, so you know, hopefully we won't rake him over the coals with the trivia question. Yeah, he he sent me a message today going, "So which superheroes will you be talking about?" I'm like, I can't give you the list you know i sent him the graphic that has some of the, the some of the characters we've picked out that we will have questions about but it's like i can't tell you like you know exactly what's going on that's not fair to the other contestants well art cyber you can't blame me for wanting to have some kind of like insider information if possible <laughs> so i can kind of like at least have an idea i so blame you how dare <laughs> you how dare you i, I was i was talking dare to you now I, I was talking to Alexis earlier about this, and all I could say was I would highly recommend watching Elektra and Catwoman just a lot. Just just go watch those about five times a piece. Oh, I would agree with that. I don't know if I'll survive that, Arch. Well, say, you men are so cruel. 
Well, oh my god, I I totally that uh, one was a disaster. But I'd have thought I thought Electra wasn't that bad. What I I, I didn't say anything. I just said I would recommend going to watch that. Yeah, plugged, exactly. I plugged Alexis's trivia show on Sakar.freeforms.net and everything and whatnot. I went on there and and let all the Sakar people know like about the show and everything. So hopefully, you know, maybe we'll turn out some of the um, the yes. podcast of champions best. Uh, just saying, just let you guys know, this is a monthly show. July's theme is going to be Warner Brothers Animation. This is uh, to tie into uh, the new Space Jam movie that's coming out. And we are always looking for contestants. So if you guys know a little bit about Looney Tunes, uh, Hanna-Barbera, stuff like that, you're welcome to come on the show and try your luck. Good to know. Good to know. And thanks for sharing that with us, too. Um, and anyone watching the stream, anybody that watches the stream after we're done, yeah, just to let you know, they they have that wonderful trivia show that they're going to be doing. And like she said, Space Jam is coming out in July, so they'll be doing Warner Brothers theme, which is really awesome. Uh, so I want to thank Alexis and Arch for coming on today as being our guest. Uh, you know, of course, Mr. Arch is a part of the podcast of Champions. So you can find him on Sakar.net uh, uh, that we've talked about a couple times throughout the uh, stream today. And, uh, you know, of course, you can find me and Jeff on either Rizzle or through uh, MCU's Bleeding Edge. Uh, we have our own website that you can comment if you have any questions for us and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, want to thank anybody and anybody that uh, commented or was watching tonight. We appreciate you guys watching. Uh, always a pleasure to talk about MCU. And we'll see you in the next one, guys. We love you. Peace, MCU fans.